All right, welcome everyone. I'm so glad that you're here. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, I want to. My name is Matt Wolf. I'm the lead pastor here, and we're all about helping people follow Jesus. So we want to help you follow Jesus because he is the only path to the fullest life. And we want you to, in turn, help others follow Jesus. So we're going to finish up our series update required today. If you miss any of the messages in the series at horizondenver.com slash media, we have audio, video, and transcripts of every message in the series. We also have that update required page that has all the resources for the different things that we've talked about in the series. So make sure you guys check that out. But before we jump into this final message in the series, I did want to just give you one update. Our worship director, Chase Napier, who's been here since last October, is going to be moving on at the end of this month. Um, we love Chase. Yeah, he's done an incredible job. Um, he, with a baby on the way, if you hadn't heard the news, um, is uh, applying for a full-time job. He's been interviewing that, and he's there this Sunday leading worship at a new church, which we're excited for him. It's a great, great step for him. So that means we as a church need to bless them and love him and Michaela on their way out. So they're going to be here the next two weeks. October 31st is his final Sunday with us. So let's make sure we send some cards to encourage, love them, and bless them on the way out. Can we do that as a church? I think that would be really cool. So October 31st, you guys can be here for that. Um, and if you guys are wondering, someone you may know is going to be our interim starting in November, a guy by the name of Bobby Brunswick, who is our former worship director. So he's going to be here, and I think Bobby's somewhere in here. Uh, was he in the, the building? He was upstairs with his kids. Um, but Bobby's going to be our interim worship director, in case you guys are wondering, in November as we look for a new worship director here at the church. So um, we are going to be jumping into this final message of the series because this whole series, we've been talking about technology and its effect on our lives and on our families, our relationships and everything. And most of the effects have been like, don't do it, right? It's been all negative, right? Watch out for this. This makes you depressed. This is difficult for your, your life, for, for, for your sexuality, for your marriage, for your parenting. All these different things have been so challenging. We've talked about a lot of the things like stop doing this, don't do that. But this message is all about the good things that technology brings because there's some incredible benefits to the technology we have today. And we're going to talk about you know, one area in particular that's so important. And my message I've entitled The Third Question because there are really three questions we should be asking ourselves with whatever technology we're using. And we're going to see these from the scripture. And it's this third question in particular that I think often gets left off in our discussions of it. So we're going to focus on that third question today. And technology is so good. I, I remember um, uh, when I was in my mid-20s, I met a man by the name of Terry. I had just started as a pastor of our church in Nebraska. And Terry's wife was a regular at our church, but I had never met Terry. So I went to go visit Terry at his home and found out as I began talking with him that Terry was at home because he had been diagnosed a few years before that with terminal cancer. It was inoperable. And it was really just uh, make his life as you know, painless as possible. So he's on a lot of pain medications, never really got out of the house very much. And I got to talk with Terry and hear about his story. And I remember this because he said, you know, Matt, um, I walked away from faith. He said when he was 18, he got drafted for Vietnam. And he said he prayed to God, God, if you exist, don't make me go to Vietnam. And he had to go. So he walked away from faith entirely. At the age of 18, he said, I'm done with God, and he lived the life he wanted to. And he said, you know, not only was Vietnam tough and so difficult, but he said, you know, I did whatever I wanted. He, he was, you know, a biker. He raced cars. He lived a wild life by his own admission. But then he got his diagnosis of cancer in his 50s. And he said he was there at the Mayo Clinic when he had just heard that he was going to die from this cancer. It's just a matter of time. He said that he was on his hotel balcony and he cried out to God and asked Jesus to save him. 
And he, it was that moment that he cried out to God and saved him. And, and this story to hear him, and, and it had changed him. And he's like, now I'm watching all these preachers on TV because he doesn't, can't go physically into church. He's watching. So he had all sorts of questions for me. He's like, this guy's kind of weird. What, do you, what about this? So we were talking about this. And, and he, even though he was diagnosed with cancer, he was there at home, able to watch church on TV. And, and then I said, you know, people in our church know you, but they knew a different side of you. So, so could I come one of these days and just video your testimony? I want other people to hear your story. So I brought in my camcorder, recorded it, then I, then I put it on my computer, I edited it, and we showed it to the church. But what's even more amazing than that technology, technologically was that when Terry did pass, and I met with his family, I said, hey, you know, we recorded this whole video of him sharing about his life's journey and about his faith. Would it be okay if I showed his video at his funeral? The family said, that's fine. And it was great because in our church, when we had that service... It was packed, and it was filled with all the people that never go to church, right? The bikers, the guys who raced with him, you guys who used to drink with him, the guys that he hung out with at the VFW, and all these guys came in. And there in the middle of the service, they turned to the screen, and they saw Terry share that he believed in Jesus Christ. Almost as if from beyond the grave, he was able to come back and share with these friends that Jesus had transformed him there at the end and that he would be able to spend eternity with God forever. It was powerful. And it was because of technology, right? This technology that we had to be able to record his story, to share his story, to show it to so many people. It's amazing what technology can do for us, especially for the kingdom of God. And that's what we're going to talk about today because there are some incredible things that come with technology. Even right now, some of you are joining us online, maybe for the first time. Welcome. I love you. So glad that you're here. The fact that we can do this. Some of you, I know, come online several times before you ever show up in person. We love it. It's amazing the technology God has given us. So we are today going to ask a third question about technology, about how to use it and how to use it well, because technology has changed so much. Technology has changed so much over the last 10 years, 20 years. You know, I grew up uh, in the 90s, which is a long time ago, it turns out. You know, it makes me really old when we talk about technology and the changes. I read this article on BuzzFeed when I was wasting time online, and it was talking about how you know you're old, if you've seen any of these. And a few of them were like, um, okay, if you think about 1980, in my head, and I think a lot of people, we say, oh, that was 20 years ago, right? Turns out it was 41, right? Or here's another one of how you know you're old, um, is that, I don't know if you knew this, but if you go to buy alcohol now, if they look at your ID, all they need to look for is a one at the beginning of your year. Did you notice that? 1999 can buy alcohol. Okay, it's 2021, okay. That, that's how old you are. Here's, here's the one that really got me. It was an English teacher that was saying that one of her students in her high school class started a sentence in an essay with this line, in the late 1900s. I lived through the late 1900s. Anybody else? We were alive at the turn of the century. We're old, okay? That's how much technology has changed. I remember going to hang out with my friends. I'd have to know their phone number, dial it in, call them up, and their mom would pick up, right? Hey, can I talk to to Ben, you know, it was so nerve-wracking. And then, then if you're like, okay, we're going to meet at the movies, you had to figure out the exact time, the exact place. It had to be like on the corner. And if you didn't meet up at the right time, it was like over. Too bad, no hanging out today. Okay, you remember that? Anybody? Okay, that's what technology was like then, okay? Technology is great. 
all the advances that we have. We can find people with like GPS accuracy, right? That we can text people the moment something happens. We can FaceTime them to see what's going on. There's incredible advancements with technology, and that's why we need to learn to ask them these questions. So these three questions we're going to look at today, the first two we're going to move through pretty quickly. We've covered them kind of in this uh, message series so far, but if not, these questions are great, and we'll focus on the third one today. And I do believe these three questions, if you learn them, you can apply not only to today's technology, but also for technology for years to come. Because there's going to be even more changes 20 years from now, right? Uh, there's going to be even more changes. So we can take these three questions and apply them again and again and again. So you guys ready for the questions? Okay, so we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And we're going to really look at this, the last part of the, the chapter, 23 through 33. If you have a phone, you can use the YouVersion Bible event. We have an event there in the YouVersion Bible app. And you can find that and take notes along on the scripture for today's message. And this first question... This first question that we should ask if we're followers of Jesus is, is it permissible? This is the first question we should ask. Whenever the technology is, the social media, the thing that we're thinking about, is it permissible? Is it permissible? And really, the first half of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is about this. So I'm going to just summarize it because Paul is talking about the Israelites in the past. He's like, all of God's people in the past, they sinned in the desert. They did dumb things. They complained. They worshiped idols. They did all the things they weren't supposed to do. And Paul's like, just don't be like them. That's the first half of the chapter. Don't be like them because they were doing things sinful. So don't do the things that are not permissible by God. God has said, this is right, this is wrong. <laughs> don't commit murder, don't commit adultery, don't worship other idols. These things are not permissible. So I believe that as followers of Jesus, we should ask this question, is it permissible? Is this okay with God? As followers of Jesus, that should be our, our first question that we're asking about any new thing. Is this permissible for me to do? And I just wanted to highlight one verse in that first section, so we're leading up to the passage we're going to focus on today. In verse 12, Paul says, So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Just when you think everything's going good, you're going to fall into some sin and temptation. So those of you who are like, I'm doing great with technology right now, you need to watch out, okay? So Paul's saying, because there are certain things that are not permissible. We've talked about some of them in this series. That when you're doing certain things online, it can lead you into affairs and adultery, that when you post certain things, it can lead to hatred, potentially even violence. These things are not permissible. They're not okay. They're sinful. Don't do those things. So the first question is, is it permissible? But what you're going to find out pretty quickly when it comes to technology is there's a lot of gray areas. There's a ton of gray areas. And as followers of Jesus, Jesus has given us so much freedom in our lives I don't know if you know this. We have so much freedom as Christians. Yes, there are some parameters. Don't do this. Don't do that. Okay, there, there is things about is it permissible or not. But there's so much in the middle that's it's permissible. But, but the second question comes, is it beneficial? We're allowed to do all these different things. Your use of social media, your use of this technology, gaming with your buddies. Like, show me that verse that talks about how many hours we can spend playing video games. Okay, I, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't find it in Ecclesiastes. Okay, it's not there. There's a lot of things that are like, there's no verse about it. It's not like clear that this is right, this is wrong. So there's a lot of things we need to ask this second question. Is it beneficial? Is it beneficial? We need to use some wisdom here. It's not about is it sin, it's is it stupid, right? <laughs> the second question. Is it beneficial to me? Is it helpful? And we see this in our passage in verse 23. So Paul opens this up in, in verse 23 of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 
where Paul says, I have the right to do anything. We have freedom in Jesus Christ to do so many things. You say, Paul is quoting the Corinthians here. He said, but not everything is what? Beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Is it constructive? Is it beneficial? Is there a benefit to this technology, this thing I'm doing? Should I do it? You know, I think a lot of our technology, social media, these things, it's a lot like junk food. It's a lot like a bag of Funyuns. Anybody in here eat Funyuns? We, we got a few Funyun eaters. First service, there's one person. Funyuns, it's like, okay, this is great, but the moment you eat it, you're like, why did I eat that? Why did I eat that? Like, I'm going to feel awful now, okay? That's how junk food is, right? It feels good for like a moment. Okay, I think a lot of it is like that. It's like, is this beneficial? We need to ask, and not just is it like momentarily beneficial, it'll make me entertained or not be bored for a second, but like, is this beneficial to me? And I think this goes beyond like, does it feel good or keep me entertained or busy? It's like, is this beneficial to my life? Cal Newport has a great book called Deep Work, and I don't know if anything about his faith at all, but he says, the question a lot of people ask with social media, he, he says, especially about Facebook, they, they say, well, is it beneficial? They say, well, I can stay connected with people. You know, it, it entertains me. And he's like, but, but the question isn't, is there a benefit? The question is, is it beneficial? So we need to weigh the pros and the cons. Like, yes, I may still be able to be connected with people, but I'm jealous and angry and feel like I'm missing out all the time and I just hate myself, okay? That's not beneficial. Who cares how connected you are to those people who make you feel awful, right? You're like, I'm entertained, but we live in a world that has never been more saturated with entertainment. There are 450 plus new TV shows every single year that you stream all the time. We have Netflix, we got Hulu. We, we, we have all these things to do. There are a thousand different games. You can stream every movie ever made at your fingertips, right? There is no shortage of entertainment. So to stay on a social media platform or to engage in something because I need entertainment, is just stupid. There's entertainment everywhere. Nobody right now is struggling to find entertainment. Here's the thing, you don't even need technology. Just go outside, right? Right? Just go outside. We are not lacking for entertainment in our day and age. So it's, if that's the truth, or the, the question, is it beneficial, has to be much more than, is there a benefit to me, right? Do, do the benefits outweigh the negatives? And there are positives and negatives with everything you do online. You may say, hey, it keeps me connected with these high school friends, but I'm always posting stuff, and when I don't get enough likes, I feel bad about myself. We've got to weigh things here. Is, do the benefits outweigh the negatives? So this second question is so helpful, and I really feel like our whole series up to this point has been this question, right? It's like, here, your kids can do this stuff, but is it beneficial for them to have a smartphone at night when they're 13, right? We, we've asked ourselves this, this question in this series, like, is it beneficial to them? Maybe it's permissible. There's nothing in the scriptures about that. Still haven't found that verse, but is it beneficial? So we're always asking ourselves this question, or we should be, right? Is it beneficial to me? Is it constructive? Does this build me up? But this second question still is not enough. And that's why we're going to focus on the third question today, because I think that there's another step when it comes as followers of Jesus. We've asked, is it permissible? We've asked, is it beneficial? But the third question might be the most important of all, especially for today. And it is the question, you guys ready? Wait for it. Is it missional? You weren't ready for this one, were you? Okay. Is it missional? What does that word mean? 
right? <laughs> Some of you are like, I've never heard that word before. Okay, do you see the word mission in there? Okay, it's mission all, okay? It's like mission. And the mission we're talking about here is the mission of God. Did you know God has a mission? Ever since the very first sin happened, God has been on a mission to redeem the world, to rescue it, to restore it to the way it was meant to be. And that's why he sent his own son, Jesus Christ, on a rescue mission here to rescue us from sin and death, to provide us forgiveness and rescue us from hell. God is on a mission. Jesus was on a mission. When he came to the earth in John 20, 20, 20, John 20, 21, he said, as the Father has sent me on a mission, so I am sending you. So not only was, is God on a mission, his son Jesus is, was on a mission, but we too are called to join on that mission. To reach people who don't know Jesus, to help them follow Jesus and find eternal life. God has invited us on the greatest mission that has ever happened. Jesus, in a section we're going to see here in a few weeks in our new series, Who's In, Who's Out, it, Jesus said, I have come to seek and save the lost there are people who are lost and dying, suffering and struggling on their way to destruction. And Jesus said, I'm here to rescue them. And if you're my follower, you are as well. That's why our mission here is helping people follow Jesus. <laughs> and that doesn't just mean my job as the preacher, but it's every one of the people in our church. that You too are called to help people follow Jesus. So Jesus calls us on this mission, and we should ask ourselves this question about every single thing we do. I want you to see this in this passage. Pretty quickly, Paul turns from, is it beneficial to this missional question? Verse 24. He says, no one should seek their own good, but the good of others. It's not just about you. It's not just about whether it brings you pleasure or entertainment or connects you with people. You should ask, how am I helping others? Is it missional? Is it part of the mission of God? So Paul then takes this question that I, that I think he's, he's pushing us to ask, and he applies it to a situation from the first century um, that I don't know if we quite struggle with to the same extent today, but he applies it. He's like, okay, if we're trying to ask, is this better for other people? He says, in the first century, what they were struggling with was whether you should eat food that's sacrificed to idols. Anybody in here struggle with that? No? Okay. Okay, so let, let's go pretty quickly through this so you guys understand why this was the situation they were dealing with. And it's because they were in the Greek, the Roman world, and there were um, temples to gods everywhere. In fact, if you still go to Greece, Turkey, uh, Rome today, you're going to see these different temples everywhere, to Artemis, to you know, Athena, to uh, Zeus. Okay, there's temples everywhere, and people would go there, and they would worship all these different gods, so they would offer a sacrifice there. And because there were so many gods, people were afraid, like, I better get right with all the gods. I'll offer a sacrifice here, a sacrifice there. And they would kill these animals, and they'd sacrifice them. And then because they killed all these animals, they had a whole lot of meat left over. Okay? And they would take it to the market, and they would sell the meat. So when you went to the market, it wasn't a supermarket. You can't be like, mm, I want kosher. I think I'm grass-fed today. Like, that's not how you picked out your steak in those days. It was like, this was the steak that was offered up to Artemis, this one to Zeus, and then you had to buy it. Okay? And it was really tough then for people who were followers of Jesus to figure out what to do. <laughs> okay, what should I do here? Because the Christians are asking, well, I believe that Jesus is the one true God. And if he's the one true God, he's the creator of all things, and all the other gods are fake gods. They're idols. Or maybe they're demons, but they're not on the level of God himself. There's one God, according to the scriptures. So now these followers of Jesus are like, we worship Jesus. What do I do now when I go to eat some meat, okay? 
It's a big problem. They're trying to figure this out, right? Not really our struggle here in Denver anymore. But in verse 27, if we can look at verse 27, Paul says this, If an unbeliever, someone who isn't a Christian, invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. Is it permissible? He says the answer is yes. In fact, Jesus himself said that we don't have to follow any of the Old Testament food regulations as followers of Jesus. We have this great newfound freedom. We don't have to worry whether something's kosher or whether it's beef or pork. Who is grateful that you can eat bacon-wrapped shrimp as a Christian? Praise Jesus, right? I need an amen for that. That's what followers of Jesus. We have freedom to eat whatever we want. And Paul says that. It's permissible to eat anything, even food sacrificed to an idol, because it's a fake God anyways. Who cares if somebody pretended to sacrifice this to the fake, fake God? Just eat the food. Verse 28, however, is significant because he says, but if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. And verse 29, I am referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. You've already said it's totally fine for me to eat this. It's even beneficial. I could use the protein, right? Okay, I'm hungry. It's beneficial to me. It's permissible to me. But there's somebody else around you that it might affect them and their conscience. He said, you know, basically it could be two ways. If it's an unbeliever who's like, this, this was sacrifice to Zeus, and they watch you eat that food, then they'll think, okay, it's totally fine to worship Zeus. Jesus isn't exclusive. <laughs> but he is. So this has now wrecked that person's conscience, and they think, I guess you can worship whatever God you want. It's all fine, right? If a believer sees you eating that meat and they know it's been sacrificed to an idol and this believer doesn't know that they have the freedom to do whatever they want, they might freak out too and be like, "Uh uh-oh, this person has gone astray. What a sinner. Oh, no. They've ruined everything. And maybe they are going to be led astray. See, what we do doesn't just impact us. It impacts people around us, the unbeliever and the believer. And what we should be asking is, is it missional? Does me eating this meat in the first century A.D., impact the unbeliever or the believer in a certain way. Because it's not just about what I can do with my conscience, what even what I can do with the benefits. It's does it help other people follow Jesus? Is it missional? So now that we, let's leave the first century and come to the 21st century, we can take the same question and apply it to a lot of different things. I think one of the, the simple ones that, that I was, was taught to, to focus on with this was the, the question of alcohol. You say, okay, well, we're allowed to drink alcohol, it's permissible, it's maybe even beneficial, helps me, you know, I can, I can take a sip of wine, right? But then you're around that friend of yours that was an alcoholic for 15 years. Should you drink next to them? It might be permissible, even beneficial to me, but now I have hurt somebody else because they see it and they think, well, I could just have a, one drink, and then boom, they're off the wagon and their life is ruined again. You don't want that, right? So we gotta think about how our actions impact other people, and why is this so important today? Because we post stuff on social media and not just that friend sees it, but everyone sees it for all time. You guys thought about this? When you post a picture, you're like, I like this craft beer, look at me, I'm cool. What is it going to lead your uncle who's struggling with alcoholism? What is it going to mean for them? You don't want them to have to turn in their chip because you just wanted a cool picture in front of New Belgium, right? So the actions that we take, so let's, let's move away from alcohol. That's just one instance of it. It can be with anything we do. 
how is this missional? Is this helping another person follow Jesus or is it hurting them? And I say this because social media has a huge impact and you have no idea what the impact is going to be on a lot of people. I know that when Melissa and I were struggling with infertility, we were so happy that our friends had child after child after child, pregnancy announcement, pregnancy announcement, but it hurt, right? And it hurt us, and, and we felt that, and we're like, man, this is tough. So, so we had to, well, Scripture says we got to rejoice with those who rejoice, so we're, we're going to be happy for them. But it hurts sometimes when somebody else is going through something good. We don't even think about these impacts on social media, right? But you post the photo, and it impacts someone hundreds and thousands of miles away. And every friend you've ever had for all of your life sees it. I say this because we need to start asking, what's the impact of my social media use on other people around me? Is it missional? Because it can be negative or it could be positive. And this is hard because some of us are like, well, you know, that's why I use Snapchat because then it's gone in 24 hours, right? But you never know when someone's going to take a screenshot, right? You never know, even when you just share it with your small circle, somebody screenshots it and shares it with everybody the world over. I want you guys to think about this. Our online presences today is sometimes the only thing people know about us or the most important thing in other people's minds for us. I have some friends that I haven't seen since high school, right? People I haven't seen since college, people I haven't seen in years. And they know certain things about me because they see my posts, right? For good or bad, for good or bad. I saw my cousins a couple weeks ago for my grandpa's funeral, and I hadn't seen some of them in years. And they're like, oh, yeah, man, I just saw that video you posted, right? They know those things. You guys have all had those encounters, right? And people often know more about you from that than they know about who you are in person, whether it's because it's been years or you don't hang out very much or, you know, your online persona becomes who you are. And I'm not saying this so that you go on there and carefully curate everything so you have, like, the pictures from the right angles, you know, and you know, that you have just the right bio and everything's just perfect. That's not why I'm saying this. I'm saying this is because the things you post about, the things you share photos of, people think are the most important things to you. Right? Yeah. Some of you are like, uh-oh, I better delete some photos, right? Okay. But, but, but they'll think that. They're like, okay. So, so the next question I'm, I want to ask you is, do people know what's more, most important to you in your heart by what you're posting online? Think about the last five, ten posts you've had. Think about what your posts would say over the last year. Would they know that you love Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Or have you invited them more to Candy Crush than you have to church? Okay? We, we, we think about it. Like, we don't even think about it because we're just posting all sorts of stuff, but that's what they see. These people you don't know or you haven't known for a long time, you know, that, that what are the things that they see about you? Because often that becomes more powerful to them than what's in person. Do people know more about your political positions and your thoughts on masks than your love for God? As Jesus said, do they know you are Christians by your love that you show on social media? Or do they know something else about you? A little convicting, right? <sighs> Me too. Our social media, our online presence can be negative or it could be positive. 
Our digital technology is so amazing, and that's what Paul is going to talk about next. I love this section of Scripture, and I want you guys to see this. This is so good. Starting in verse 31, the end of this chapter. This is so good. Paul says this, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, whether you TikTok, whether you play video games, whether you're texting people, whether you're making little videos to go on your reels, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That's the standard, right? Do it for God and his glory. And he says, this is how you do it. Verse 32, do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. And he says this personally. He's he's speaking personally from his heart now. He says, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. God is most glorified when we lead people to his son, Jesus Christ. When they believe in his name and when they find salvation, God's glory is shown out in the earth. It's a powerful thing. So Paul says, whatever we do, do it for God. Don't cause them to stumble, but lead them to Jesus. Lead them to salvation. As many people as you can. Ask, is it missional? Is it missional? You know, one of, one of the sad things, I, I read this article by Tim Keller, and he says over the last um, 20-something years, since the beginning of the 90s, in our nation, every single year, there are more people who identify as atheist, agnostic, or non-religious. Every year, that number keeps going up. And yet, at the same time, the number of people who say that it's important to share your faith with others, that number has gone down every year. When our nation has never needed more people to hear about Jesus, there's less people willing to do it. We are called to ask, is it missional? Am I using the technology God has given me to reach people for Jesus Christ? I just want to think about, what if Paul were alive today? The Apostle Paul. Do you know what he did in his day and age? He wrote letters. (laughs) That was the technology of his day and age. He wrote letters. He wrote all sorts of letters. We have 13 of his letters that have made it into Scripture here. He would start a church in one location like Corinth, and then he would leave them, and he wouldn't be with them, and he's like, dude, you've got some problems in your church. He'd write letters to them to help them, to build them up. He'd encourage them. He'd share that he loves with them because he's like, I want to use whatever technology I have to help you. And he said, I long to be with you in person, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to. There were times where he was even thrown in prison because of his faith, and he couldn't talk to people. Just imagine what he would have used his smartphone for. Would he have texted and said, I miss you guys. I love you. Keep at it. His faith is worth it. Would he have been like, I miss you guys so much. I haven't seen you in years. I'm here in chains. Let's FaceTime. Like maybe we can just get on the phone so I can see your face. I miss your faces. I think that's what Paul would have done. He used every technology of his day. He even got on ships and crossed the ocean, the the Mediterranean Sea, so that he could spread the gospel to the entire known world. And I think we are called to say, God has given us incredible technology at our fingertips. Let's use it for the gospel. He has given us these cameras that we can record this service, that we can stream it live. It doesn't even have to go up after the fact. That people are joining us right now who have never heard the name of Jesus until today. Isn't that incredible? I told you at the beginning of the service about Terry, but let me tell you about Rhett. Rhett started coming to our church online during the pandemic last year. When we couldn't even meet in person because it was illegal, right? (laughs) We were meeting online every single week, and Rhett found us by Google. Praise God for Google, okay? 
Praise God for Twitter and Facebook, okay? I'm grateful that Mark Zuckerberg was used by God (laughs) to create this social media platform where we can engage people online. And Rhett found our church, and after joining for a few weeks, he filled out one of the new forms online. So I get it technologically sent to me, and now my watch is talking to me, sent to, to me. I get the thing. I call him up, and I talk with Red on the phone. He had um, gone through a, a bad breakup, was in depression for almost a decade, walked away from faith, and he had found it again when the pandemic came. He'd come back to Jesus Christ, and we talked on the phone, and it was amazing just to hear his faith, and he was so excited. I share about Rhett because just a few weeks later, before he had ever been able to set foot in person, before I had met him in person, he died unexpectedly of a heart condition. And his mom found my number written up on his whiteboard, and she called me up. She said, he was talking all about his new church, and I wanted you to know about Rhett because he had come back to faith in Jesus Christ because of the technology we have today. I look forward to meeting Rhett one day in heaven. I'm excited to meet him. And I'm so grateful that we have the technology to reach people like Rhett. There's maybe even someone who's listening to my voice right now who's depressed and struggling, has been lurking online for a while. I love you. God loves you. Find faith in Jesus Christ. Fill out that form today so we can connect with you. And I mean this. We have this technology. That even just a couple weeks ago, I shared that my, my grandpa passed away. And we never knew where he was with his faith his whole life. Growing up, kind of Roman Catholic, we didn't know, didn't go to church. And at the end, we were all trying to talk to him and call him on the phone, text him, just talk about faith, talk about Jesus, and he was just not receptive at all, right? My mom even was there, uh, you know, early in the summer, and she put on one of my messages online on the TV so he had to watch and hear it. And he'd heard me share the gospel before, but he heard it again. And towards the end of his life, my mom was sitting with him at his bedside, and he asked her, how do I get to heaven? And she was able to share. And I don't know if the technology impacted that at all, but he asked that question and and he he prayed a a prayer of faith. And my mom was able to share at the funeral that she believes he's in heaven right now. And, And I hope that that technology has just been another way that God has used to save my grandpa. God has given us incredible technology, so we've got to use it for the kingdom of God. Daryl Guder wrote a book called The Missional Church. He says that mission is not something the church does, a part of its total program. That No, the church's essence is missional. Everything we do is helping people find and follow Jesus. For the calling and sending action of God forms its identity. That's who we are. We are sent by God. So we should always be asking ourselves, is it missional? One other uh, quote I have by this German theologian, Helmut Thielicke. I don't think that's how you pronounce it. He's a great guy. He wrote this in like the 70s. He said, The gospel must be proclaimed afresh in new ways to each generation since every generation is its own unique questions. The gospel must constantly be forwarded to a new address because the recipients are repeatedly changing their place of address. The technology we have today, he couldn't have even dreamed of it when he died a few decades ago. We've got to always be thinking, this technology, this social media, this new platform, the new technology that comes, how can I use it for the kingdom of God to reach people for Jesus? So I want to challenge you today. Who do you need to text? Because you're thinking they might be down in the dumps. Send a message to you, to give them a phone call, the the old technology, right? Send them a letter. Who do you need to post a photo of our church service? Maybe you need to share this message or a message in the series with someone. 
Maybe you didn't invite people to church online. Somebody asked me about that. Hey, can we share the Fall Fest event online? Yes. Okay, it's invite people to church to do whatever we can to lead people to Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing, when Jesus came to this earth, he was on a mission. I don't know if he asked himself that question, is it missional? But I think he answered it. Because with his birth, with his life, with everything he had, he put other people's needs in front of his own. He didn't think, is this good for me? Is it beneficial? Am I allowed to do this? He thought, how could I reach more people? I think if he would have had an online bio, it would have said something like, you know, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He would have taken pictures and said, hey, hanging out with a leper today. I love lepers. Hanging out with a prostitute. Hey, you know, like, watch me. I love these people. Everybody would have known that Jesus came to love people, to serve them. He would have used every technological means because he did in his day. He loved people, served people, and then he put the good of the entire world in front of his own. When he went to the cross, and like a lamb is led to the slaughter, so was Jesus Christ. That he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was put on him. By his wounds we were healed. Jesus put the the whole needs of the world in front of his own so that he might save many. And that's what Jesus says at the end. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. That's what we're called to be in this world. God has given us this incredible technology. Let's use it. Let's text people. Let's share scripture with them. Let's FaceTime them. Whatever it takes to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Will you join me on that? We are on the mission of God. Did you know this? We are sent on a mission. So I want to challenge you guys today to take that mission. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to use whatever means possible, short of sin, to reach people for Jesus Christ, to seek and love the lost that they might be saved. So I want to commission you guys today. I want to commission you guys to send you out. So would you please stand up on your feet today? Some of you didn't even know you were on a mission, but I'm sending you out today to think about it. Maybe there's just one way this week the Holy Spirit is going to lead you to reach out to that one person, to love them, to show that, that God loves them, to share the gospel with somebody, to invite them to church. Whatever that one thing is, I want to challenge you to do it. So please bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Lord God, you have sent us. You sent your own son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. It meant that much to you to save us and rescue us. So Lord God, on that same mission, send us out to be your hands, to be your feet, to be your thumbs texting someone, posting something. Lord God, whatever it takes, let us use our technology to be missional, to be on your mission, that we might see many saved and enter into eternal glories. Use us, Lord God. Lord God, send out every man, woman, and child here today on this mission, and that Make it so that many are saved. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.